For those that remain in the auditorium and watching online, take your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Leviticus, Leviticus and chapter 23, and this morning we intend to look at verses 23 through 25, Leviticus 23, verses 23 through 25. If you're new to us here at Grace, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Everything we do here comes from the Word of God. It's all rooted in, founded on, and guided by the Word, and so we want you to have a copy of the Bible open in front of you. These are not just my random thoughts or pontifications, but this comes from the text of Scripture, from God's Holy Word to us. If you don't have a Bible, we have one for you, so look under the chair somewhere in front of you. There should be a Bible there, and in that particular copy of the Bible, this is on page 95, page 95, Leviticus chapter 23, verses 23 through 25. This morning, we want to talk about preparation, and so the question before us is, are you prepared? Which leads naturally to another question, prepared for what? I was uh, given a t-shirt at a conference I was at that says, be ready. And uh, of course, the natural question is, be ready for what? And you could say, well, be ready for anything. But in particular, this morning, we want to look at this idea, are you prepared to worship God in every uh, circumstance in life? Are you ready to give him the honor and glory and do his will in every circumstance in life? both the circumstances that we enjoy and the circumstances that we don't. Now the hurricane gave us a ready illustration of this. Different agencies and groups told us to be ready. Many of you got an alert on your phone, a text message. Many of us were watching the weather. But also, be honest, Many of us remember Teddy from a couple years ago. Somebody put a meme out that just had a garbage bin that had fallen over and it said, Hurricane Teddy, we will rebuild. And so for many of us, despite all of the warnings, and we did the regular preparations, we don't stop flying around the yard necessarily, but we're probably quite ready for what actually came. And in some ways, how could we be this storm that perhaps is larger than any other previously in our region? Were we ready? Were we prepared? But not just prepared for the storm, but prepared to worship God in and through the hurricane. And then yesterday there was a wedding and it brought to mind preparation for positive things. I remember over 20 years ago preparing for my own wedding. And then when you're waiting for something good to happen, it seems like time slows down. Of course, when we're waiting for something bad to happen, time speeds up. It's amazing. But you're counting down the days and the hours, and then it's there, and it's such an amazing event, and you look back on it very fondly. Are we prepared, as we sit here this morning, are we prepared to worship God in every circumstance, no matter what God brings us in our life? Are we prepared to give him the glory and tell others of who he is and how much he loves them? Are we ready? And that is what this passage is all about, three Verses is all that we have before us this morning, which, as those that regularly attend Grace Baptist, does not mean anything with the length of the sermon. 
But Leviticus chapter 23, verses 23 through 25. Let us read them together. I'll read them in your hearing and follow along if you would. And again, on the Bible provided for you, it's on page 95. Leviticus 23, starting to read of verse 23. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall observe a day of solemn rest, a memorial proclaimed with blast of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work, and you shall present a food offering to the Lord. So we have in the first place then this morning a preparation for worship, as we have discovered. Are we prepared to worship God in any and all circumstances? And the nation of Israel was given this special day to prepare for a whole month of feasting, a preparation for worship, the seventh month. Again, the number seven, the number of perfection. It goes in line with the seventh day, which is the Sabbath of of solemn rest. All of these implications and things in the text. On this seventh month of the Israeli calendar, there are three feasts that are contained within. There is this day of solemn rest, and there is the day of atonement, Yom Kippur. Leviticus 16 has already discussed that in more detail. And then we have the Feast of Tabernacles, this uh, week-long feasting by the nation of Israel. All of this occurs in the seventh month of their calendar. This particular day in modern times is known as Rosh Hashanah. It was celebrated September 25th, the Sunday that we did not gather because of the hurricane and extended for a couple of days from the 25th to the 27th. It is believed by some to be the Jewish New Year. It comes at the end of all of the harvest, including the grape and olive harvest, and it is a time of reflection, a time of rejoicing and gratitude, and in some ways, not unlike our time of thanksgiving, as we look at this morning. And so this day was set aside as a special day of solemn rest to prepare the nation of Israel for worship. As as mentioned, it's the first day of a whole month of feasting. The seventh month on the first day of the month, this blast of trumpets is proclaimed. And it's special because at the first day of every month, we know from other texts and numbers and otherwise, there was a blast of the trumpets to proclaim the beginning of a new month. But this is a special day, a preparation for all that is coming in this month. Prepare your hearts, prepare yourselves to remember who God is and all that he has done. Prepare yourselves for worship. Regardless of what has gone on throughout the last year, prepare yourselves to give glory and honor to God in the good and in the bad, and to proclaim to others how good and how glorious God is, to worship him in all circumstances. It is a day of solemn rest, verse 24, very similar language to the Sabbath, a day of solemn rest. It's not just a day to kick back and do nothing, it's a day of remembrance, And as we discovered when we talked about the Sabbath, we need these. We are very forgetful people. We forget very quickly the goodness of God, but we remember ways in which we believe God did not show up. We are quick to forget the blessings of God, but we are slow to forget all of the things that we complain about. What occupies our attention oftentimes are the negatives. God wants to remind his people and us of the positives. So take a break from the regular routine and take some time to reflect 
and to see God's hand in all things and worship him in all circumstances. It is then a day of memorial. This is something that is unique in this particular text. You'll note that it is there. It is a memorial. Now what we oftentimes think of when we see this word memorial is a remembrance of the past. We have memorial days. Remembrance day is coming up in November, November 11th. And these are times where we look at the past and remember events that happened in the past. But the Hebrew word here is different than the normal word used for a memorial of that kind. It certainly has the idea of remembrance, but it has more so the idea of expectation. Because of how God has acted in the past, because he is a promise-making and a promise-keeping God, because of the ways that he's shown up in the past, as we remember that and he remembers his covenant with us, we expect him to do great things. We expect him to work according to his will. We expect him to keep the promises that he has made. It is not just a remembrance of the past, a moment of silence and then move on with life, but it is wrapped up with this idea also of expectation. God has promised that he is going to make us more like Christ. Do we believe that? Are we seeing that in our lives? Are we expecting him to do that? Are we expecting him to make us less greedy, less jealous, less full of lust, less selfish? Are we expecting him to make us more gentle and more kind, more full of his mercy and grace, more loving, more full of truth? Are we expecting him to do that in our lives? He has promised that he will return, and we'll get to that in just a moment. Do we believe that? Are we expecting that? Are we living life like God has made promises in the past and kept those promises, and so any promises he has made that have not yet been fulfilled, he also will keep? Are we living our days with that expectation, remembering who God is and what he has done? and therefore expecting him to be the same, because of course God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. So it is a day of memorial, but it is a day of expectant preparation. It's a day of remembering who God is, what he has done, and therefore expecting him to do more of the same in the future. It is a day of proclamation with trumpets. It's proclaimed with blast of trumpets. We're gonna see in just a moment trumpets used throughout the text of scripture. But they always have this idea of when the trumpet sounds, something's about to happen. So get ready. Prepare yourselves. An alarm sounds. If you're in school, the bell rings. Whether you're looking at the clock expecting the bell to ring or as soon as the bell rings, something happens. When, there, when there's an alarm, your alarm goes off. Maybe nothing happens, depending on who you are. But there, there's something happening here. And so in this feast of trumpets on this day of solemn rest, the trumpets are blasted and there's, a, there's an, a, an air of expectation. It's kind of like on the negative, like that storm, that calm before the storm. Something's coming. We can't see it yet, but we know that it's coming. It's that preparatory work that is done. And notice in verse 25, there's communal rest and thanksgiving. Not do any ordinary work and present a food offering to the Lord, this offering of thanksgiving to him. And so the whole nation of Israel comes together and has this day of communal rest and thanksgiving, this day of expectation for the God who is the same today, yesterday, and forever, 
will show up and continue to be who he is and continue to keep the promises that he has made to us. Notice you've in the second place this morning. Then we're going to do a little walk through scripture. Where else do we see trumpets throughout scripture? And what is it that they, that they prepare us for? So these trumpets of preparation. In Exodus 19 and 20, there is a preparing for God's presence. God has said to the nation of Israel, I'm going to show up again. Of course, he has already shown up to them in Egypt. God has shown up since the beginning, since before the beginning. But in, in Israel's national history, they remember that God showed up in a big way through the ten plagues. Now they are away from Egypt and they're in the wilderness and God says, I'm going to show up in a big way. So gather close to the mountain. Do not approach the mountain, do not touch the mountain. Anything that touches the mountain will surely die, but I am coming. Prepare yourselves. And they're given explicit instructions of how they're to prepare themselves. And in one of those ways is this blast of trumpets. Nobody misses this. Everybody's aware of this. God is going to show up. His presence is coming. And it does. And there is lightning. And there is fire. And there is, there is a, a shaking of the earth. There's, there, there's visible, tangible, physical manifestations of God's presence. So much so that the nation of Israel is scared and does not want to be close. Moses, of course, goes up to the mountain and there receives the Ten Commandments. In the second place in Judges chapter 7 and verse 18, there's preparing for God's power. Numerous times in the text, trumpets are used in time of war, either to call people to battle or to call them away. But in this particular case, when the trumpets are blown, God is going to show up in a big way and, and uh, uh, help both Gideon and the nation of Israel. And so this blast of trumpets, we're reminded also in Joshua, they're to circle Jericho once a day for six days, on the seventh day, seven times, and then when those ram's horns, those shofars are blasted, God is going to show up in a big way. His power is coming. And I can't imagine being there, seeing those walls of Jericho, and then when that trumpet blast sounds and the people yell and the, and the walls fall. In Gideon's time, 300 men, and impossible odds against the armies of Midian. But Gideon says, blow the trumpets and God's going to show up in a big way, and God does. Preparing for his presence, preparing for his power. 1 Kings chapter 1 and verse 39, preparing for God's plan. This is the inauguration, the coronation of King Solomon. There's been some confusion as David comes close to death. Who will uh, follow him uh, on the throne? And another one of David's sons takes on that mantle himself, and he's out with Joab having a bit of a party. But Bathsheba and Solomon, Nathan, some others come and speak to David before he passes and he makes very clear that Solomon is to be the next king and the trumpets are blown and they're blown with such force and there's such a shouting of the people that those that have planned an insurrection against David hear of this noise and say something's up. And of course something is and Joab loses his life. Preparing for God's plan, God is going to show up in a big way and he does. Ezekiel 33, 1 through 7, and Revelation chapters 8 and 9, there's a preparation for God's judgment. Seven of the 21 judgments of God in the book of Revelation have to do with trumpets. And these trumpets are blown. And as they are blown, judgments of God take place. There is a warning blast, if we can put it that way, of these trumpets. We oftentimes, because we are blessed, take the judgment of God lightly. We love focusing on the love of God, and that is a good place to focus. But God is a holy God, and it's the only attribute of God that is repeated in Scripture. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. 
And while God is a God of love, it is because of his love that he is also a God of wrath, which is his settled disposition against evil. And he is long-suffering and he is patient. And thank God that he is, but there is coming a time when his judgment will fall. And yet, in his grace, even at that moment, he warns those who are about to be judged. Judgment is coming, the trumpets blast. And then in 1 Corinthians 15, 52, as well as Revelation eleven fifteen, there is a preparation for God's return. There is a final trumpet that is coming, and when it is blown, we who are alive and remain, as well as those who are dead in Christ, will all come together and head into the eternal state. There is a final trumpet that is to be blown, and when that is blown, God's plan for this current earth comes to a close, and we head into the eternal state. And so throughout Scripture, we have these uh, trumpets that are used to prepare us for something. And I would contend every time we read Scripture, every time we hear Scripture preached, every time we pray, every time we sing songs of worship to God, in all of these ways, we can look at these in a sense as trumpet blasts. They are preparing us. They're preparing our hearts to continue to believe what we say we believe. They're preparing our minds to continue to trust in what we have trusted in and to believe the truth of God's word. We need these times because there are times of difficulty and we doubt. There are times of strained relationships and we experience uh, negativity. We experience stress. There are all different things that come into our hearts and our lives and our circumstances and in all circumstances we are called to worship God and yet we struggle with that. And we need these reminders. We need these trumpet blasts, so to speak, to prepare us for truth, prepare us to worship God in all circumstances. Not just in the good circumstances, but also in the bad. And in fact, sometimes it's the good circumstances that keep us from worshiping God, ironically enough. We forget the blesser in the midst of his blessing. And so whether life is going the way we want or not, regardless of our circumstance, God calls us to be prepared to worship him in every one of those circumstances. With COVID, people's hearts and minds were thinking of big picture things because the institutions that they had trusted in seemed to be failing them. And now right here in our own backyard, we have seen the power of God's creation. And there are many people that are feeling a little bit small right now. They are struggling. We have truth. We know the hand behind the hurricane. We know the author of all things. We have that blessing. We have that message. We have that relationship. Are we prepared to worship God in all circumstances? Or rather than taking these opportunities to share God's truth, his glory, and his love, are we joining in with the rest who are complaining and who are frustrated and angry and even despondent and despairing? Is there a difference made by knowing God and being known by him in all circumstances? There ought to be. And this day is set aside one day in the Israeli calendar to say, remember, and based on what we know of God, prepare. In the last place then, the third point this morning, we see preparation and expectation. 
what does all this have to do with us? And in particular, what does all this have to do with, with Jesus Christ? Well, we note that when Jesus was coming, his first advent, there was a preparing for Jesus. Isaiah 40, verse 3, talks about a voice crying in the wilderness. And we know from John 1, 23, this was John the Baptist. God sent the first prophet in hundreds of years, John the Baptist, to be that voice preparing the way for Jesus Christ. And so he was in the spirit of Elijah, as Malachi says, the one coming before the Messiah to say, everybody, Messiah is come, prepare, prepare for his coming. And of course, Jesus is here, or was there, and he came onto the earthly scene, he did many miracles, he lived the perfect life that we should live and don't and can't and don't want to. And then he went to the cross, and there he took upon himself the penalty for all of our sin and offers to us his righteousness and what theologians call the great exchange. And then he rises to life again from the dead three days later on that Sunday so many years ago, conquering sin and death for us so that we can have life and have life eternal. There was a preparation for Christ's coming. Hundreds, thousands even of prophecies, a prophetic word going all the way back to Genesis 3.15, and then there was one who came and prepared the way for Christ to come. And so it is for us today. Preparing for Jesus. If you have your Bibles, and hopefully you still do, head to the New Testament, if you would, to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12 and verse 12. We just preached through the book of Romans a year ago. What does Paul tell the church at Rome in Romans 12, 12? Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. In our daily lives, are we consistently expectantly prepared to worship God in all circumstances. The hope that we have in Jesus, is it a hope that is only hopeful to us when life is going the way that we want it? When we have enough money in the bank account, which of course, if we're honest, is never enough. When family things are going well, when our our social uh, you know, interactions are going well, our life is comfortable, is that when we rejoice in hope? Or is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ that is so much bigger than this life, does that always cause us to rejoice? Now we all know that Christians are weird. We know too many of them to not know that to be the case. And if you have a lot of friends that are Christians and none of them are weird, then you're probably the one in the group. But what kind of weirdness are we talking about? We're talking about the kind of peculiarity that Peter talks about when he says you're a peculiar people. Someone has once observed with the Apostle Paul, what do you do with Paul? Paul preaches, they tell him not to, he keeps doing it, seems quite happy to do so. They throw him in jail, what does he do? He sings. Now how many of us are singing in adverse circumstances? praising the Lord in prison unlawfully 
How many of us would have our MP and we're already emailing, we're already talking to our lawyer, this is unjust, this is unfair, I'm going to write a letter. What's Paul doing? Singing. He goes to another town. They hate his message so much, they drag him out of town, throw rocks at him until they believe he's dead. He is not dead, gets up, goes back into town and keeps preaching. How do you, what do you do with this guy? Christians ought to rejoice in hope regardless of current circumstances because we ought to always be prepared to worship God whatever the circumstances. And there's a peculiarity there, not that we're masochists, not that we enjoy pain or suffering or sacrifice, but the reality is when it comes, we A, expect it because Jesus said it would come. If they persecuted me, he says in John's gospel, they will persecute you. Those who do not believe in me are not friendly to those who do, and so you're not, the, the goal, of God's, uh, goal of God's plan for your life is not comfort. If God the Father's plan for his own son was crucifixion, why would his plan for your life be comfort? We ought to expect things when they come, negative realities when they come. But not only are we prepared for those things because we expect those things, we've been told that those things are going to happen. When they happen, we have a bigger hope because we have a bigger God. And through Jesus Christ, we know that all that is in this life, Paul says, will pale in comparison to the life to come. Your worst day in this life will not even come up around the water cooler in heaven. Paul says the afflictions of this life are not worthy to be mentioned in comparison to the glory that is coming. Do we rejoice in hope? Are we patient in tribulation? Or do we want this to be over now? Check your prayer. How do you pray? Do you pray, God, show me more of you and show me more of me that needs to change in this circumstance, or do we pray, get rid of this circumstance? Now again, it's not a sin to pray for the circumstance to be removed. Paul did three times. But what is the overall tenure of our prayers? We pray, God, I don't like this situation, I'm not in favor of this, but I know that all of this comes from your good hand, and so what are you teaching me in this? What do I need to learn from this? Mainly about you, but also about me. What do I need to change? How could I grow from this to be more like you? And are we constant in prayer? And then in the third place there under point three, preparing for Jesus, notice that his return is coming. He's coming back. Acts 1.11, all of these individuals, these disciples are staring up into heaven as Jesus ascends and the angels come down and said, why are you staring into the heavenlies? The same Jesus who is ascending will come in like manner. He's coming back. He came once with all of the hundreds, even thousands of prophecies about his coming and he came and fulfilled all of those and so if he came and fulfilled his promise that he would come the first time, he certainly will fulfill his promise in coming the second Notice the language in 1 Thessalonians 5, 2, and 4, and this is just representative, not exhaustive. Oftentimes, even in the Gospels, Christ's second return is, is talked about as a thief who steals in at a time when no one is prepared and ready. We as believers do not know when Jesus is coming back. 
but we know that he is coming back. Do you believe that this morning? And does it show in how you live? Does it show in how we live and conduct ourselves? In the midst of surrounding and underneath our daily activities, is there always that expectation of Christ's return? Of all people on the planet, Christians should be the most prepared to die. And that's not a morbid thought, that's a reality. We have relationship with the one who spoke us into existence. We are twice his because he made us in his image and he's remaking us in the image of Christ. And therefore, our hope is in him who is greater than all things. And we are not tied to this life, but we are expecting and rejoicing in the next. And so while we have much to do in this life, we always live within the back of our minds, that beauty of the, of the return of Christ and the glory that awaits us in his presence when he comes and makes all things new. When sin is no longer in uh, the majority, we're not ruled by the world, the flesh, and the devil, but instead ruled by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace. Do we, do we expect that? It does it impact how we live and how we behave? Are we prepared for Jesus? Every time we hear his word, every time we hear songs of him and sing them, and pray and speak with others that love him and believe in him. These are moments of trumpet blast, if I can put it that way, moments of preparing and reminding us that in all circumstances, we ought to be worshiping God. And so that is our response here this morning. Are we expectantly prepared to worship God in all circumstances? As most of you know, back in 2019, I had pneumonia and mono and my gallbladder removed, and sleep apnea, along with my already pre-existing type 2 diabetes and Crohn's. It was a great time. That circumstance hit pretty much without warning and was not a circumstance that I wanted to take place. And certainly initially, I was not worshiping God in that circumstance. I wanted to be anywhere but what I where I was. And yet, thankfully, because I am very thick-headed, God brought me through that circumstance, and while I do not appreciate or fully uh, enjoy God's methods by times, I thank God for his love for me, his patience with me, and for all that he taught me about him and myself through that. When the unexpected occurs, and in our lives, since we are not in control, that's pretty much all the time. Is our heart beating for worship to God? Or has our heart been beating in selfishness about us? So that when God puts the pressure on, what comes out of us? A biblical counselor has used this illustration. If I have a bottle of water, let's, I'll use my actual water uh, container here. And if I take off the cap and I shake this vigorously, water is going to come out. Why? And it's a bit of a trick question because it's not because I took the cap off, nor is it because I shook it vigorously. The actual answer is because there's water in there in the first place. So what happens to us when God uncaps things in our life and starts to shake us vigorously? What comes out? What comes out is what's already in there. And if our focus has been on ourselves, if we have not been prepared to worship him, 
if our focus has been on the things of this life and not on the life to come, if we have not been preparing for Jesus, both in this life and in his second return, what's going to come out is more of us. But if we have been living expectantly, worshiping him in all circumstances, while it is not going to be a perfect display of God's grace, what is going to come out is more of him and less of us. And so this day of trumpets, this trumpet blast, is there to remind us in Scripture. Remember who God is and all that he has done, which we are doing this weekend and should do, as Pastor Luke said all the time. But don't just remember what he has done. Prepare for what he will do. And what he will do is not give you that car that you want or the cottage you want or make your life easier. What he will do is more of what he has been doing, which is to make you more like Christ, which is not necessarily to change your circumstances, but to change you in and through those circumstances. He has a plan for your life, and it is almost exclusively not your comfort, but it is to make you more like his son. So that one day, when you stand in his presence, give him all of the glory, you'll have been prepared for that throughout this life in all of its ups and downs. So when the trumpet blasts, if I can put it that way, so the reading of the word, the singing of the word, the praying of the word, the speaking of the word, Take notice, be reminded, be prepared to worship God expectantly in all circumstances. Let's look to him in prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for your great grace and your love to us. We are so undeserving of it. Far too often, we are focused on this life. We are focused on ourselves, our opinions, our desires, our plans, our goals, our passions. Father, in your patient love, you continually and consistently draw us away from ourselves and towards you. In times of blessing, we are tempted to forget you, the ultimate one who gives those blessings. And in times where things are not the way we want them to be, we are tempted to curse you, to speak against you, to lack trust in you, because things are not the way that we want them to be. We still struggle with the original sin. We want to be God instead of worshiping you, who alone is God. And so, Father, I thank you for the Feast of Trumpets. I thank you for this day in the Jewish calendar that prepares the nation for both the Day of Atonement and the Feast of Tabernacles, for the somber reality of atonement and the necessity of life being taken of blood being shed to atone for sin and then the celebration that comes as a result of knowing that our sins are forgiven. As we prepare for those things, fully fulfilled in Christ, may we prepare it in all circumstances to worship you. Because the worst that we experience in this life pales in comparison to what Christ bore on our behalf. And the best that we will experience in this life pales in comparison to what you have in store for us in the life to come. And so, Father, regardless of our circumstances, keep our focus on you. 
Prepare our hearts to worship you regardless of our circumstances. And may we listen. May we listen when you jog our memories and may you jog our memories consistently. Thank you for your love and your patience. In Jesus' name, amen.